0: fantasy football today from cbs sports here we go email us at fantasyfootball@cbsi.com. football at cbsi.com here we go. it's time to dominate your fantasy league let's go now here's some combination of adam dave jamie and he
1: the doug baldwin era is over in seattle which is really a shame because i always enjoyed watching that guy play a top 12 fantasy wide receiver three straight years before 2018 and Seattle has terminated his contracts and camp Chancellors too so how is this going to affect Russell Wilson is Tyler Lockett a stud receiver let's talk about it I'm Adam Azer. here's Dave Richard Dave is Tyler Lockett a stud receiver
2: top 20 I think he's uh, I I think he's right about there I think you're gonna take him in round six as someone that you have either as a desperation number two receiver or a really solid number three guy. Let's call him top 30 Okay, because I think he's really close to being top 24, just not quite there. Um, A little concerned about him replicating nearly 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns. Well, he was uh, wide receiver
1: 12 in non-PPR, wide receiver 17 in PPR. And of course, I want to know what Dave thinks. And I want to welcome everybody of our listeners to this special edition of Fantasy Football today. But we've got You know, something even better, we're going right to Seattle to get some Seattle insight. We've got a great guest today. His name is Dick Fane. He is the host of Softy and Fane on Sports Radio 950, KJR Seattle. You can follow him on Twitter at Dick Fain. That's F-A-I-N. Dick, thank you so much. Welcome to Fantasy Football today.
0: Oh, it's great to be on, guys. I have been listening to you guys for years. You help me set my lineups every week, so it's uh, good to be able to, uh, to help you guys out.
1: Yeah, are you going to pile on? I know you know that they give me a hard time on the show. Are you going to be yes. doing that today?
0: <laughs> no, I am not nearly a veteran enough of this show to start making fun of the host. That's, uh, I'm saving that for a Jamie and Dave. Okay.
2: <laughs> <Appreciate laughs> we we will definitely bring you back on for that day <laughs> Because uh, I, I know you will be good at that. And I know that you know the Seahawks, like the back of your hand. And so I spent time yesterday thinking about how they go about replacing Doug Baldwin, and the answer I came up with is they can't. He's just he was such a great slot receiver for them, such a trusty security blanket for Russell Wilson. Did great with the volume that he had. This is a team that doesn't throw the ball a ton anyway. I'm I'm thinking that DK Metcalf is going to end up taking one of the outside receiver spots, and Lockett will be in and out of the slot, uh, assuming that one of the rookies that they drafted, Gary Jennings, John Ursua. Don't end up bumping Lockett to the outside. But I, I guess I, I think I just want to start with Metcalf because I think that's where the natural um, direction is going to be for fantasy owners. They're going to think, well, Doug Baldwin's gone. Who's going to pick up the slack? They just got Metcalf. He's real big. He's real fast. Tell me about what you saw from him during rookie minicamp and what you think his potential is in the Seattle offense. Well,
0: the hype coming in was probably as big or bigger than any Seahawks draft pick in, in recent memory. Because, you know, keep in mind that John Schneider and Pete Carroll a lot of times don't even have some draft picks. And, and this year, they only had before the Frank Clark trade, they only had four draft picks total. And miraculously, they turned four draft picks into 11 picks. Hmm. Uh, it was just unbelievably uh, done by... It was masterful. I mean, they, they let Frank Clark go, but They got all those picks. They got a pick next year, and they were able to sign Anta, who's going to give you eh, 75% of of Frank Clark, 80% of Frank Clark, if you can get you healthy. healthy. So they did a fantastic job of of continuing to reboot this team while still staying competitive. So DK Metcalf, it was funny. We were in the, the draft media room right next door to the, for the Seahawks War Room, and uh, you know we sit there with our our NFL expert Hugh Millen, who was a longtime quarterback in the league, and and he is just pounding the table, pick after pick after pick. Metcalf hasn't gone yet. He's my guy. He's my guy. And then the Seahawks trade out of their first pick, and he's just going crazy. It's like, you could have had DK Metcalf at twenty one, and you decided to trade down, and then they didn't select him in this at the end of the first round either. They took L.J. Collier, and he's going absolutely crazy. And yet the Seahawks were able to grab him in the second round. He goes nuts. The city goes nuts. And then it's a matter of, okay, what is this guy going to actually look like when we're not just watching highlight tapes? And and he was everything we could have hoped for. I mean, he is fast. He's got soft hands. Uh, the question mark was, could, could he run it out? And at least in non-contact drills uh, against, let's face it, rookie cornerbacks and safeties uh he was looking fantastic climbed the ladder for a great ball uh had to many shots downfield where he was making catches and uh, i think he's going to translate right away but as you know guys and you guys have mentioned many times on the on the show to count on a rookie wide receiver to be a thousand yard double digit touchdown guy i mean that that happens very very rarely so that's probably the utmost utmost ceiling for this guy I would say much more into the lines of you know 700 yards and a, and a handful of touchdowns but, but that was highlight plays there's no question about it
1: yeah and I think the touchdowns are really what, what are interesting to me because uh, you look at the red zone targets the last four seasons 2015 16 17 18 your leaders have been Doug Baldwin Jimmy Graham Jimmy Graham and Doug Baldwin And Tyler Lockett has never really been a guy that's got targeted into the red zone. In fact, I gave this stat a few, maybe like a couple weeks ago. He has 19 career touchdowns, and only six of them were from inside 20 yards. And that's where I think Metcalf, and you tell me if you agree or disagree, Dick, but that's where I think Metcalf seems like such a great fit. I feel like he, he, I made the prediction that he will lead the team in touchdown catches. And I just think it makes sense for him to fill that role and be a red zone target because he's so big. We had him on the website listed at six foot three, two twenty eight. He's the biggest, freakiest looking wide receiver I've ever seen.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, he is physically he is the freakiest looking wide receiver <laughs> that's ever set foot on a uh, <laughs> yeah. field. Doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be Calvin Johnson, but uh, he certainly looks the part, and, and I think he's going to be right up there uh, atop the list with Tyler Lockett. And I think a third guy will Disley coming back is going to be a guy that, remember, he fought yeah. for three touchdowns in the first month of the season before he went down. They really like Will, and he's going to be back ready to go in, in training camp. So he's kind of a sleeper tight end to, to keep an eye on there. But, the, yeah, I mean, they're going to try to get Metcalf uh, open in the end zone. The question is, you know, is he going to be a guy that's going to be able to run fade routes? Is he going to be able to post up guys in the corner of the end zone? Because that really wasn't his thing at Mississippi. Uh, doesn't mean he can't do it. It just means he wasn't really asked to do it. I mean, all he did in Mississippi was run fast and beat corners down the field with deep posts and and go routes. He didn't have to do much else than that, but they're gonna have to run him through a complete route tree if he's gonna be a you know, a, a more valuable receiver than just uh, you know, let's just throw a a Ted Ginn type guy that's just hey, go run right. fast and I'm gonna throw a bomb to you. Any more than that out of DK Metcalf
2: the Seahawks averaged thirty three point four rush attempts per game. That was second most in the NFL. Do you think that that is going to continue, or do you think that the coaching staff is trying to be a little bit more multidimensional and and trying to scare defenses by creating a a passing game with these downfield threats that they have acquired?
0: They're going to run first to set up the downfield throws. I mean, what they did last year offensively is exactly Exactly what Pete Carroll wanted to do, and they were unable to do it in 2017. Remember, that was the year that Russell Wilson had basically every touchdown, uh, rushing and
2: receiving, or
0: rushing and passing for this team, and he, he I think, he had like 80 or 85 percent of the total offense for the team because there was absolutely no running game whatsoever. They fixed that offensive line, particularly run blocking, pass blocking, still okay probably slightly below average, but a much above average uh, offensive line running uh, led by DJ Fluker. What a tremendous pickup uh, DJ was. And then Chris Carson is healthy and uh, he was mashing Rashad Penny. Remember he missed most of training camp with a hand injury last year. And, you know, so people here in Seattle, like, Oh, Rashad Penny's kind of a bust. Why'd you use a first round draft pick on him when you're not even using him? Well, he was a month behind the timeline already, and being a rookie, you're already behind. So I really expect to bounce back from Rashad Penny this year, and I think the Seahawks run just as much this year as they do la- did last year, except now the bombs, they're going to throw on the bombs to D.K. Metcalf and some to Tyler Lockett instead of always just to Tyler Lockett and Doug Baldwin.
1: Yeah, I actually have a Twitter poll about Russell Wilson that I want to read. It's from Jamie, and I, I have two Twitter polls I want to read, and I think to no surprise, I voted on both of them, and and my vote is losing on both of them. So that's pretty much how it goes. But a quick follow-up on what you were talking about with the running game. Who leads the team in rushing this year? I mean, I I think the easy answer is Chris Carson, but I want to know if if you think Penny overtakes him. Who do you think leads the, the team in rushing?
0: With Chris Carson healthy, he is going to be the number one running back. But I do see the carries a little bit more balanced than they were last year. And, again, that's because Rashad Penny just got out of the gate so slowly. And Chris Carson looks so great. So I think, you know, uh, 65 – you know 60 30 10 something like that uh you know from one two and three they don't have mike davis anymore they do like uh travis homer they brought him in as a draft pick out of miami you guys know him, the miami guy and absolutely uh, they like him as a as, as a third round third down receiving back i think he'll probably take the role that jd mccissick has had in the past and partially that Mike Davis had last year. So I think Travis Homer makes the team and is a, is a nice little third down back. And then of course there's CJ Prozise and whoever knows what's going to happen to CJ Prozice. I mean, I, I hitched my wagon to him a couple of years ago after he had the huge game against Philadelphia and the huge game against New England. I was like, Oh man, this guy's going to be great. Why can't we make him an every down back? And well, not only can't he be an every down back, it doesn't appear like he can be an every week back either, like even staying on the field every week. So I've got no expectations for CJ Brave like right now until he shows me that uh, he can have to get through training camp healthy. All
1: right, so here's the Twitter poll I wanted to talk about, and I find the results to be stunning. Is Russell Wilson a number one fantasy quarterback in 2019? He was number seven last year in leagues with six point per passing touchdowns despite Seattle attempting the fewest passes in the NFL while having the second most rush attempts, and now no Doug Baldwin. So is Russell Wilson a number one fantasy quarterback? For us, that just means top 12, which he's been basically every year except two years ago when he was playing hurt. I said yes, and 62% of the respondents said no, and I just feel like I know he's not going to throw the ball that much, but Russell Wilson is that good. He's going to finish As a top 12 quarterback, I can't believe, Dave, I'll throw to you first, I can't believe 62% of these respondents with 2,700 votes so far said no, he will be outside the top 12.
2: I think there's two reasons why. Number one, um, they believe that Seattle will continue to run the ball heavily. You just heard Dick say that they're going to be just as run heavy as they were last year. And number two, there's no Doug Baldwin. And Baldwin has been a huge component of Russell Wilson's numbers. Do you think he's a top production. 12 quarterback? Do you think he's top 12? I, I have him in there for now, but he's no longer anywhere near the top five. I think he's, he's going to be one of those guys that ends up falling in drafts because people see... The upside in Baker Mayfield, they might see the upside. If Cam Newton's healthy, I think he's an easy one to draft over him. I think it's when you get to Drew Brees, who may not be quite as prolific as he's been in the past, certainly not as consistent as he's been in the past. That's when you might start measuring up Russ against him. But if he doesn't have Doug Baldwin and you know they're going to run the ball a lot, you're counting on Russell Wilson either to start running more than he did last year, which I mean, I think there was like one game where his rushing made a difference. Uh, Or you're hoping that DK Metcalf has a big chunk of picking up the slack. And if not him, then we're talking Will Disley or the running backs. It it, it seems a little far-fetched for him to find 30 total touchdowns this year. So I get where those people are coming from.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I just have a lot of faith in him. His four games without Doug Baldwin, I'll I'll say four because Baldwin played only 11 snaps in week one. Uh, The results weren't good. In six-point-per-passing touchdown leagues, Wilson scored 25, 18, 19, and eight fantasy points. That said, he faced four, at least three, if not four, very good defenses. I mean, Denver wasn't so great last year, but he was at Denver, at Chicago, Dallas, and Minnesota. So those could have been, you know, four of his worst games regardless. So let me ask Dick here. Dick, do you think Russell Wilson will be a top 12 fantasy quarterback this year?
0: Absolutely. I mean, bottom end of the top 12, but absolutely, he's a starter. I mean, he's so efficient, guys. I mean, the completion percentage, he's just, he's not a guy that swings it around 550 times, but he completes almost 70% of his balls and he never throws interceptions. I mean, it's just uh, when he throws the ball, something good happens. Now he's not going to throw it that much. But uh, I'll, I'll take a guy that's only throwing 24, 25 times, but he's giving me two touchdowns and not throwing interceptions and throwing for two hundred 240, you know, 250 yards. And, and really whether I think the determining, determining factor on whether Russell is at the bottom end of 12 or if he's at the middle end of the top 12 is what do we have in Metcalf, Jennings, and Ursua? What can those guys bring to the table? We know what Lockett's going to bring to the table and, you know, I think, uh, you know, Dave mentioned earlier, I think he's riding lock. It's going to slide into to that Doug Baldwin spot in the slot. It'll be used outside some too, but they're really going to try to stretch the field. And I think you're going to see that play action game work again for Seattle this year with Russell Wilson. They established that running game, which I don't know why they shouldn't be able to. They added Mike Capati, uh, So they've got a little bit more depth in that offensive line now with DJ Fluker. And uh, they're just going to pound, pound, pound. And then they're going to go play option and they're going to chuck the ball deep to Tyler Lockett and chuck the ball deep to DJ Metcalf. And, uh, you know, Russell will have some big time passing games, not attempts wise, but he'll have some big time results games this year.
2: Could we make the argument that because the Seahawks defense could be worse, that Russell Wilson will have to throw more than last year?
0: I don't think they will be worse um, because I think this was a, this was a rebuilt defense last year. Remember they came out the L.O.B. era in 2017 where everybody got hurt. And we thought last year that the Seahawks defense, I thought they were going to be 15th, 16th. And that was just giving Pete Carroll the benefit of the doubt of being as good a defensive coach along with Belichick as there is in the NFL. And I thought, okay, they'd be around 15th, 16th in defense. They finished 11th, guys. The Seattle Seahawks, with a completely new defense, finished 11th in scoring last year. And so now everybody's back with the exception of take out Frank Clark, put in um, Ziggy Ansah, and you get a healthy K.J. Wright back. Remember, K.J. Wright only played like four games last year. So I would say that the Seahawks you know, are at, the, at least 11th, 12th in, in points allowed, if not sneaking into the bottom of the top ten this year.
2: The one last point I wanted to make on Lockett. I went back and checked three games last year without Doug Baldwin. He played in the slot 58% of the time, nearly 60% of the time. And in the other games, so 13 games with Doug Baldwin on the field for at least part of the time, 48% in the slot, 52% outside. So I I think at the very least he will be close to 50-50 in the slot, out of the slot, and uh, maybe a little bit more depending on how the other receivers end up uh, performing, especially those rookies. Yeah. So they
0: absolutely. And right. now you got a guy in Metcalf that's so much more dynamic than say a David Moore is uh, on the outside. I mean, you, that that's going to make Lockett even more valuable in the middle when you've got some some threats that have to take those safeties away from the middle of the field.
1: Right. So I do want to conclude with your thoughts on the wide receivers in general. We've we've sort of focused on DK Metcalf. But Seattle drafted three receivers: Metcalf in round two, Gary Jennings out of West Virginia in round four, John Ursua round seven out of Hawaii. It's a team that went 10 and six last year, lost at Dallas in the playoffs. I, I was so sure they were going to win that game. Very surprising result for me. Um, so really, I, I want to know how you see it breaking down. Like I, we've already talked about it a little bit, but from a fantasy perspective, you know, Tyler Lockett twelfth in non-PPR, seventeenth in PPR last year. 965 yards, 10 touchdowns, on 71 targets. He had the 56th most targets among wide receivers and was a top 20 wide receiver, 12th mm-hmm. in non-PPR. So he's always right around you know 50-ish catches, 70 targets. Four straight years with 67 to 71 targets. Does he stay in that role, or does he become more of a legit number one? And second question is the other two rookies, Jennings and Ursua, do you think they're going to matter at all this year from a fantasy perspective?
0: Well, you're asking a guy that at the beginning of last season uh, called Tyler Lockett a run of the mill receiver baseball. on <laughs> <laughs> thus far as a Seattle Seahawks. And, uh, <laughs> at least for one year, he, he proved me wrong last year and uh, he had a very, very good season. Uh, I think 10 touchdowns for Lockett. That's, I would say that's probably the high end um I think Russell's really going to spread the wealth around. I think you're going to see a handful for Jennings, a handful for D'Isley, and, and Lockett will have his uh you know 8 to, to 10 at the most touchdowns and then you know really that wild card is Metcalf. I mean, you know Metcalf could be injured and play six or seven games. Well, if that happens, then Lockett's numbers are definitely going to go up. If DK Metcalf is healthy all 16 games, then he's even 75% of the hype that he is right now, he's going to end up with 800 to 1,000 yards and eight or nine touchdowns. So, and that could not knock Lockett down a little bit. Lockett, I think, is a pretty safe low end. I'd call him a low end number two, honestly. I, uh, but a guy that you definitely want to start each and every week because he is going to, get the, he's going to get his chances from Russell Wilson. And then, you know, DK is your sleeper guy. You don't want to reach too high for him because of the rookie wide receivers don't always uh, pop right away. But you definitely want to have him on your roster. I don't think he's a guy that you can go undrafted because somebody's going to snag him up in the first couple weeks when he has his first, you know, six catch ninety yard game. Oh yeah. So you want to have him on your roster, and then Will Disley, I think you want to. I think Will Disley, you want to stash at the end of your draft because nobody's going to draft him. Stash Will Disley for uh, for two or three weeks and and see if he can replicate what he did last September before he got hurt.
1: I love it. Actually, that's a really good call. I'm glad you brought Disley up. I'm glad you brought him up earlier when we were talking about red zone targets. Makes sense for him to fill that void. Going to end the show with some rankings. I'm going to ask you guys. Dave, you can answer first. Dick, you can go second. Tyler Lockett or Calvin Ridley? I'll take Ridley. Ridley. Tyler Lockett or um, Robbie Anderson? I'll go Lockett over Robbie.
0: It's close. I'll probably go
1: Lockett. lean I Lockett. Okay, last one. Lockett or Allen Robinson? Lock it easy
0: yeah this is this 2014
2: (laughs) (laughs) and then my (laughs) robinson (laughs) for to his credit robinson is saying that he's healthier and he he thinks he's going to be able to contribute more this year but I'm, i'm not changing my stance on that one until i see robinson in training camp
1: okay and this is the second twitter poll um that I'm surprised by the results. In light of recent Seahawks news and the fact that we're doing a bonus episode later today, here's a Twitter poll for you. Which Baldwin would you rather have dinner with? A, Doug, or B, Alec? Ooh. Ooh they're big. both
0: very entertaining. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Doug's, Doug is probably the number one Seahawk that you could have a just a great three-hour conversation at dinner with on anything.
2: Oh, absolutely yeah? Absolutely
0: anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I might lean Doug but. I think I think Alec would be funny for about a half an hour, and then uh, I might get bored.
1: I don't know that I want to go to dinner with a stranger for more than a half an hour. Like I, we'd go get a burger and, and say say farewell. But that's a, that's good perspective. That because I, I was originally voting Alec, but you may have put me on Team Doug.
2: No, Doug is really interesting. Uh, I enjoyed speaking to him at a Pro Bowl a couple of years back. I was actually intimidated because I know that. Right around that time he went on a rant against the media. So, wasn't sure how he was going to react to somebody coming up to him after a pro bowl practice, but he was very cool and he's just he's so sharp when it comes to football. You can learn a lot from him. And I'm sure Dick did.
0: He probably. Yeah, was. second best receiver in Seahawks history, guys, and and we on the show yesterday had Steve Largent talk about Doug Baldwin and it was really 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 cool having the the number one receiver in Seahawks history talking about the number 2 and uh, he was saying some of those same things.
1: That's great. If I could ask you one more question before you go, I'm sorry for keeping you so long. Yeah. Um, give, paint the picture for me. Uh, I don't know if you even get a chance to go to games anymore because you have your radio show. I, I don't know if you cover the games live, but paint a picture for me of a big game in that stadium and what it's like.
0: Oh, man. Well, first of all, I do get to go to the games because I made a deal. My boss wanted me to do the post-game show each week, and I said, okay, fine, as long as I'm not sitting in a press box, I'm sitting in my own seat. So I sit in my <laughs> own seat, and I take notes on my phone, and then I go into the I go to the, uh, to the bar next door and do the post-game show. But, uh, nice. I, I, man, it's unlike any stadium I've been to. I've been to a lot of NFL stadiums, and you know the constant din and the, and the way that the Seahawks fans are so savvy and to know exactly when they're supposed to make noise, exactly when they're supposed to be quiet, and it ramps up as the they understand the the magnitude of the football game as well. I mean, you're going to get twenty five percent louder on a Monday night or a Sunday night football game than you are on a 1 o'clock game against the Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, it's just it's just going to be... But but even in that, even that 1 o'clock game, if it's a close game and it's going to be 7, Dalton's going to be back there giving hand signals because he's not going to be able to hear. The, the difference is when you get you know sunday night. So, i mean look at that look at the hawks prime time record at home i mean there's something yeah. stupid they're like 22 and two or something like that and on prime time at home and uh ma- major reason for that
1: is the 12th man i would commit so many false starts it would just be i would just <laughs> every, like three in a row there's like adam no you get
2: nervous watching game of Thrones. of course <laughs> you're gonna be terrible when it comes to the snap count. <laughs> Oh, man, All right. this is great stuff. Dick Fane, host
1: of Softy and Fane on Sports Radio, 950 KJR in Seattle. Make sure you follow him on Twitter, at Dick Fain F-A-I-N. He gives great information about the Seattle Seahawks. Thank you for coming on. It's always great to hear from a listener as well. So thanks for being on our show, man. We appreciate it. Sounds good. Anytime, guys. Thanks. Thank you, Dick. Dave, bye to you. Bye to me. <laughs> yeah, <I don't> <laughs> alright na right. <laughs> Na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na.